I'm Amy Hall. I'm here with Greg Kokel, and you're listening to Stand to Reasons, hashtag STR Ask podcast. Hi, Amy. Hello, Greg. Are you ready for your first question? Yes, yes ma'am. <laughs> All right, here we go. This one comes from Phil. Is spending time defending the cause of Christ in chat rooms where atheists and Christians debate a worthy endeavor? Nearly all Christian defenses are met with ridicule and scorn. Can you recommend a worthy discussion forum? Uh, what, what's identified here is a liability of online conversations, okay? Um, and I think it's great that uh, we have Christians that are willing to engage in that medium. I don't do it. Uh, I don't have the time for it. Uh, my time is spent elsewhere, plus I'm a slow typist, so uh, it's just not the best way for me to do it. I have other platforms, but for many, this is the platform they have, and I think they should take use of it, make use of it, okay? The fact that the Christian's responses are met with, you know, scorn, in, in a certain sense, is irrelevant, because the only people that you're aware who are being scornful of your points are the people who are responding. But there are a whole bunch of other people that aren't responding, they're listening. And so I'll do an event, and it'll be at a university, and then after my talk there'll be a Q&A, and the Q&A has a bunch of atheists, and they go hammer away, all right? And sometimes their responses are characterized like this um, person characterized the responses on the chat room, but uh, not always. In fact, characteristically, I, I get treated um, respectfully. There are hundreds to thousands of people that are sitting there listening and paying attention, and they're listening and paying attention to two things. They're listening to the content, and they are also aware of the style, okay? Um, people who are nasty and unpleasant only appeal to other people who are nasty and unpleasant. <laughs> you know, it's a gladiator event, and all the people that are like them are cheering them on. Stick them again, hit them again, harder, harder kind of thing. <laughs> but there are a lot of other people out there that are going like, I don't agree with that Christian, but that guy's not nice. And that wasn't a fair thing to say. Now, this is important for Christians to keep in mind, because not only is there a moral quality to being nice— there is also a tactical benefit to being nice. Your points sound more persuasive if you're gracious and kind, okay? Um, I listen to Dennis Prager uh, on occasion. I mean, most of the time I'm working, doing something else, but like when I'm driving to the studio, I'll listen to him because that's during his broadcast time. One of the most powerful things about Dennis is his, is his not just his content, which is superb, but his his manner. He's gracious to people, and many times he'll say, okay, we disagree, I'll, I'll give you the last word. What that communicates is that he has such confidence in his view, especially in light of the reasons he's just given, which are characteristically very well thought through. He has such confidence that he's willing to let the other guy have the last word, and he's not afraid it's going to upend his case. That kind of confidence has an impact on the listener. And so when we're engaging people who are nasty, uh, there are two things we think about. We think about our content, and we think about our manner. We think about our content, and we think about our manner. Those are 
two elements, by the way, of a good ambassador. Knowledge, content, and accurately informed mind. Uh, uh, knowledge with some character <laughs> and attractive manner. And because, as I pointed out, an attractive manner is obligatory for Christians before God, but it also adds to persuasiveness. So if you're engaged in online forums, and this is an opportunity you have, understand you're going to get some strong pushback and some nasty stuff to, from people. And then you can respond, well, ridicule is not an argument. Do you have anything more sub substantive to offer against the point that I just made? Okay, you can type that out. Ridicule is not an argument. That was funny. I even laughed. But it didn't address the issue. So help me understand, blah, 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 whatever. And so the oftentimes when I do a radio show with a challenger, when I'm doing a Q&A with challengers in a larger audience, when I'm doing a, a debate, which I've done in the past, I don't do them anymore, but I, when I've done a debate, I am not trying to win the challenger generally, the one I'm debating with. I'm trying to have an impact, put a stone in the shoe of those who are listening. And there are lots and lots and lots of people listening or reading in a chat room. Those are the people you think about. So even in chat rooms, if you get nothing from but abuse, um, take a tip from Jesus, Matthew chapter 5, you know, the Spirit of, well, this is Peter, the Spirit of grace and glory rests on you. First Peter, what, 4, whatever, you know, if you're suffer for the sake of Christ. But Jesus said, hey, you know, rejoice and be glad, because your reward in heaven is great. This is the way they treated the prophets. Uh, so don't get too strung out about the fact that people are hammering at you, all right? It's online. You're, they're not drawing blood. It may not be nice, but they're not. But there are a whole bunch of other people that are paying attention, that are watching the way you respond, not just the content, but the manner. And this is another reason I don't follow these things online, not only because of the nastiness of the non-Christian, but because of the nastiness of the Christians. It's so deplorable. Oh, Greg, now that you say that, um, you've reminded me. Oh, what, I, is something you wrote in the past online? <laughs> well, kind <laughs> I'm of. I'm just it. joking, Amy. <laughs> wonderful. I used to love uh, we had comments on our website, and I loved interacting with people on mm. there. I loved interacting with the atheists. I learned so much. Mm. I I loved having my ideas challenged because it forced me to be very clear and to know how they were going to react to what I was going to say. That's right. one of the biggest things I learned from interacting with atheists online. Which, by the way, I benefit from because I write something and you tell me, I know what somebody's going to say about what you just wrote. Yeah. Let's fix it. So so I, I learned a lot of skills from that. But what happened is that over time, you know, this, we started the blog, I guess it was, you know, I think it started here in 2006. I didn't come here till 2007, but that's a long time ago. <laughs> And over time, what happened was that the atheists stopped making arguments, and that all they would do is just come and leave an insult. Yeah. And I think part of that was because more and more people were getting involved. Mm -hmm. And it, when we started off, it was people who were interested in the topics and who liked to think. And then it was just everybody's online and yeah. <laughs> everybody's talking. So even that, I was okay with. But then what happened 
is the Christians Mm -hmm. started responding in the same way. And Mm -hmm. at that point, I said, our comments are no longer helping people. Now they're teaching people to respond in this way. And that's when we Mm -hmm. remove the comments. And I still miss them. I still miss this interaction. But I think it's a lot harder to find now. Mm -hmm. I'm sure there are. I'm sure there are places you can find. Maybe look for a, a blog where the person who's writing is, he might be a little more congenial or reasonable, and he's not just about making, you know, insults right. at Christians. If you can find that, you're probably more likely to find people you want to converse with than maybe a chat room. I really don't know how chat rooms are going these days, yeah. but I can imagine well, a it's not good. a lot of them good. don't take uh, comments anymore for the same reasons, probably, or you have to be some kind of registered behind the behind the registration member uh, in order to be able to put a comment down. I don't know. And I don't know. There might be, I want to say, I, I almost think that Jay Warner Wallace has something like this on his website now, that they are very careful to let people in who've kind of proven themselves. I think it's forever. I don't think it's just for Christians. So maybe go to his website and take a look and see. Cold case. Yeah, cold case Christianity. The other thing I wanted to add, Greg, is that you mentioned the tactical and moral advantages that you get from responding in in a way that reflects Christ. But there's also an apologetic advantage and we've talked about this before. You reminded me of this when you brought up First Peter. When we respond as Jesus responded, we are reflecting him to people. We are showing people who who he is and his character. And uh, I know I've told this story here before, but it's it's so amazing to me. When Richard Wormbrand, who was a pastor in Romania right. under the communists, when he was put in prison for being a Christian. Tortured for Christ. Was his yes. Brother. And he was tortured by the guards. He and his fellow Christian prisoners would then turn around and they would go back to their cells and they would pray for their persecutors. Mm. And some of the guards saw this and they saw Jesus in that and they actually became Christians. Mm-hmm. So... It's not only that you're doing what's right. We are supposed to do what's right even when we're suffering. And by the way, read through First Peter over and over because it talks a lot about this. Right, right. But we're also revealing, we're also actually engaging in an apologetic just by the way we're responding. Mm-hmm. So that is an advantage of, of being in these spaces, if you can take it, if you can manage to respond as Jesus would respond. In a noble fashion. Yes. And by the way, he was... you. He was very clever. He was very thoughtful in his responses. And, uh, but uh, he, you know, he, it wasn't a gladiator event to him. Who can draw the first blood, right? And he always treated people with dignity, even when he was uh, condemning them for something, he still treated them with dignity. He didn't, he, he didn't treat them as, um, gosh, he wasn't condescending or, or, I'm trying to think of a word, but mm-hmm. so if you're in these chat rooms, you can build your character. It's good for you to have to strengthen that just as you would strengthen your body with weight training mm-hmm. to train yourself to not respond in kind. But you have to be careful because you will be influenced by this. So you also need to take care of yourself and be balanced and not spend all of your time in there. Yeah. 
not only because it will affect who you are, but emotionally, it's very hard to take that for a long period of time. And you don't want to learn from them. You don't want to be discipled by them in terms of the way they respond. So Mm -hmm. you have to be careful that you are spending time with God. You're spending time in fellowship if you're going to step into this situation. But one more thing about this is that some people do become Christians. I, I've read stories about people who were in chat rooms like this or, or on people's websites and interacting in the comments who were actually watching these exchanges and did become Christians. Mm-hmm. So it can happen. I think you just have to be wise about how much you can take. And it's okay to work on building up your strength in this area. But, you know, it's probably going to be more about your character than it is about making rational arguments because i mean depending on where you can find and i'm sorry i don't know of a of a better forum to recommend but those are my ideas for that finding something yeah so hopefully you can find something phil we we hope you we hope that works out for you all right here's a question from drew can you discuss finding a church that you agree with theologically versus finding one that provides community. Perhaps this is this is a false choice. I'm getting burnt out by mega churches that don't match my theology, which is reformed, but the mega churches are where the singles community seems to be. Well, now there's another element here, the singles community. Um, and presumably uh, Drew is a single person. Of course, where you don't have mega churches with big singles community, you still have singles in other churches. And so th- this is going to be somewhat a judgment call here. Um, certainly the theology is, is really important. Now, I have gone to churches and and benefited from them, and some for years that were not Reformed, okay? So this can be a personal conviction. It does not mean that there isn't uh, growth and benefit to be had in places that disagree with you on something pretty essential. It kind of depends to me uh, on the, the the issue and the kind of disagreement you're experiencing. So, um, like if I, and we'll look into details, but I'm just simply saying I, I, I'm very committed, reformed uh, in in my soteriology. All right, in my understanding of salvation, sovereign grace, but I could go to Calvary chapels, which uh, are not that way, and I benefit tremendously from them um, and have the great community that are characteristic of of Calvary chapels. So you have to assess um, your own um, theological palate, so to speak. Some things are really important to me, but I can go to benefit from churches and be part of churches where that wasn't part of the uh, the teaching style or theological content. Uh, and there are other things that are really important to me that, I, man, I couldn't, you know, I, I just, I'd have to move on. So uh, I think this is one of those things. How important is it that you have a big singles group to go to? It's possible to get fed substantially in other places. But if you're single, you know, and you're looking to make build relationships with with the opposite sex, hopefully get married, not be single anymore, then um, then you have to weigh those those opportunities. So um, 
I, I think it's, I think that in this particular case, it's going to be a personal decision. What do you think, Amy? Well, this is really tough because I think back to when I first moved to L.A. and I had wonderful community and so many good, close friends. And I I grew spiritually from that. And over time, I ended up moving away from the churches I was in before, partly because of their theology, but partly because of of the depth of the theology. I think there's a difference between having different theology and having shallow theology. Mm -hmm. So sometimes there are churches that have a different theology in certain areas, but their depth of theology in in many other areas, yeah, yeah, I are I can still it's that's still okay for me. Whereas there are some churches where the theology is so shallow that I just or even worse, it's not even focused on Jesus. It's just focused on teaching you how to live, and it's not even focused where it needs to be. And sometimes that is related to theological issues, um, but sometimes it's just a shallowness of the church. Mm -hmm. Now, if that's the case, you might do okay for a while with the fellowship, but you are going to burn out eventually if you're not being fed. So this is this is tough. I I think where you are in life also makes a difference. I think when you're younger and you want to take advantage of the fact that a lot of people your age are are doing various things and you want to be part of it, you might tend towards that side mm-hmm. rather than the theology side. But I would say for the long haul, you probably will have to end up in a church that matches your theology or at least has deep theology mm-hmm. and thinks deeply about things, and they're open to you having a different view. You know, there's another alternative, and, and some people may not like this, and I'm not sure how you're going to respond, um, and that is you can go to a church that has the kind of rich theology and the rich theological environment that will feed you, and then go to some other church's singles group on Sunday night or on Wednesday night or be part of their enterprises. Of course, you're splitting yourself between two communities, but um, you're meeting different needs. And uh, I don't think that all of your spiritual needs or personal needs have to be met in one group of people. Um, Some churches... um, have uh, great worship and lousy teaching. Some people, some churches have, <clears throat> and many in my experience, have much better teaching and really, by my standards, bad worship. And every once in a while, you know, it's good just to go somewhere where there's fabulous worship and you benefit from that. Um, fabulous worship according to a, a certain set of standards. I've talked about this in the past, but so, you know, you, you sometimes get... you. you most people aren't going to get their apologetics from their local church. They're going to get it from standard reason or reasons to believe or reasonable faith or other books or other teachers or whatever. Um, so I don't think there's anything, excuse me, necessarily wrong with <clears throat> splitting your affection, so to speak, because you're getting one thing from one local body and you're getting something else that's important to you from another local body. It did occur to me, though, if you go to these larger churches, because they have a great singles group and a lot of people, a lot of activities, but the theology is shallow, what kind of member of the opposite sex are you going to meet in those shallow churches? Okay, Um, what, what people are one with are what they offer one to. And so it might be you're going to 
have a lot more opportunities to meet someone else of the opposite sex in a church like that. But is that the kind of person that you're going to be one to connected to if it turns out that they have kind of a shallow approach to Christianity? It was just a, another thought. Yeah, I don't see anything wrong with, especially if you're coming out of those churches, you likely do have relationships with people that are still happening. So just keep in touch with them. Try and find a church that is deeper and matches your theology, but keep up, be intentional, intentional about keeping up your relationships with the people that you connected with before. Yeah. You can get involved with, the, you know, people have parties, they have mission trips, they have all sorts of things. So if you end up at a church that's smaller and maybe doesn't have these things, you still have those connections with other people. So you can cultivate, you can continue to cultivate those. I, I would say you need to find a place that is spiritually feeding you first and foremost. Right, right. And it may be that it has slightly different theology. If, 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 if you're okay with whatever that difference is, that's okay. But, but you do not, do not stay at a, like you said right here, Drew, that you were getting burnt out. So mm -hmm. that already tells me you weren't getting what you should have been getting from the church. Right. So hopefully, I mean, unfortunately, there's no perfect solution here. Right. You'll always have a trade-off of one kind or another, and I'm I'm sorry that's the case. I wish that wasn't the case, but unfortunately, in a fallen world, that's how it is. So mm -hmm. I hope I hope you're able to find a good church that is, you know, bringing you closer to God, deepening your relationship, and giving you an opportunity to serve others. Um, just remember that church is there to be your family, and you are playing a part in that church. You are meeting a need for other people. So part of it is, of course, about the fellowship, but part of it is about meeting the needs of others. That's right. And so maybe there are fewer young people. That, that gives you more opportunities of things you can do in a smaller church to help the other people there. Mm -hmm. So that's another thing to keep in mind mm -hmm. here. Good luck to you, and <laughs> keep praying. I know it's frustrating, and I, I hope you find something soon. All right. Thank you, Phil and Drew. If you have a question, send it on Twitter with the hashtag STRask, or go to our website. Just find our hashtag STRask podcast page, and you'll find a link there to send us your question. We look forward to hearing from you. This is Amy Hall and Greg Kokel for Stand to Reason.